two friends were spending the afternoon together. It was summer, and their homes had begun to feel smaller, tightening around their shoulders in the heat. Let's go to the pond, said one to the other. Where's that? said the other. Well, I think it's through the trees. I don't think I like to walk through the trees, said the other. There are poison plants that sting and spiders that bite, and it's dark. That's because there is no road, said one. If there were a road, it would be easier. Yes, said the other, but it would still be dark. But a road would mean we could pass through the dark ever quicker, said one. The other thought about this. But there is no road, the other said. Why don't we draw one? One went inside and procured one piece of paper and one pencil, which were handed to the other. But I cannot draw a road, said the other. So one drew a path up the center of the paper and showed it to the other for inspection. But I don't like that road, said the other. It's too narrow. We would have to walk one before the other and could not go side by side. This would make me sad. One considered this and corrected it by widening the road in the picture. But to do this, he made two lines outside the lines of the previous path, which made not one larger road, but two smaller side-by-side roads. The other didn't like this either. We would have to walk side-by-side and could not walk together. This would make me lonely. One took up the paper again and pointed. Ah, but this road now has three lanes, said one. And I have asked a guest to come with us. So you see, said one, that this road is actually perfect for our trip to the pond. The other looked confused. Why, I did not know this. Who is it that's coming? It's a surprise, said one. They can walk between us. One looked at a broken watch. We must wait here a little while. But, said the other, are we still going to the pond? Yes, yes, said one. The day got still. They sat for a long while in the grass. One started putting some finishing touches on the road and curved the four lines to the right and off the page. What's that for? said the other. Well, said one, this way the road doesn't have to stop. It can go on and on and on. The other felt the molten cake of earth shift. A blue bug struck the other's forearm, and an unmuffled truck ripped hoarsely past on the invisible highway. Something like fear happened and hid. Why did you want me to come to the pond today? said the other. It's all right, said one. It will all be over soon. Well, greetings. Um, I am out here on the road. I am not getting 
really reception to speak of, so I thought I'd leave a, leave a message. I'm near kind of the, uh, the, uh, the Idaho-Wyoming border, and um, I came out to this area to talk to some people about evidence that had been compiled for quite a long time by uh, by a man who went missing at a campsite. He had been attempting to surveil a group of, you know, think, think of something like you know, Bohemian Grove or the Bilderberg Group, uh, a, a group of uh, wealthy and powerful uh, men who would have hold an annual meeting somewhere different each year. And this 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 man was convinced that he knew that there were strange things going on. Uh, he thought that they were they were. Um, into, they were doing, they were shape-shifting, and specifically, he thought that they were turning into wolves during these meetings. So I wanted to come out here and talk to some people. Um, this this happened earlier this year in this in the spring, and I just, I really, you know, and maybe it's it's just all of all of this pileup of me trying to make contact with people and me just sensing the fear all around me. I just have a very unsettled feeling. And so tonight I decided to leave, uh, but it's, but it's dark and I am just, I, I'm lost. I'm completely lost. I, I mean, I didn't think I was lost, but I can't seem to, I just want to get out of this area and I can't seem to is my point. I keep sort of ending up on the same streets and the same turns. It's one of those areas that often you, you find right outside of a town or a city that, you know, you're starting to get into farmland and, um, and houses are getting, are getting sparse and there, there are, there are, um, you know, fields and orchards and uh, houses way back off the road. Uh, I just feel like these streets are all looking the same to me, and I've actually um, gone in circles a couple of times. And I really haven't seen any other cars out here at all. Oh, there was, I did see one, a car uh, going the opposite direction with one headlight. So that barely counts as a car sighting but that that's been it I was thinking about this idea of the roads because it's such a it's such a loaded symbol of freedom a path from one place to another but it's where you experience what you're truly made of uh, it's it's much like much like a mirror in that way it will it will show you show you what you're made of it will test your your inner strength your resources your 
your instincts. The road is often a feature in post-apocalyptic tales because often the character's survival depends on keeping moving from place to place. It also presents threat and danger. But it it's sort of a it's sort of a safe danger, isn't it? Because it's already laid out for us. You know, I remember a few years back, uh, you know the green those emerald green highway signs uh they they're bright enough and reflective enough to just appear uh, uh from a great distance out of the darkness I, I would love one of those right now i always have i think those are very comforting um they just you know they have a very stable font and they're always exactly the same color constantly telling us what exits are coming up, what towns, how far the towns, everything. But a few years ago, I was driving into a town. Um, I was approaching an overpass and there was something looked strange with it. I I felt like it looked very bare. Uh, And actually what had happened I didn't see it happen, but it must have just happened because there, you know, um, I don't know. I, there was no response yet, uh, as far as cleanup or moving it off, off the road, um, repairing it or refixing it. One of these signs had come loose from the overpass and f- fell onto the road and, splintered and bent and shattered oh my gosh I um I don't think that I don't think anyone is hurt there was no signs of it falling onto a car but I did almost hit a couple large tangles of the shards that had bounced over um, to my lane and it pretty much covered the entirety of the two lanes to the left of me you know these these signs are huge it's one thing I realized and also it really was it really was kind of shocking to see it to see one of these one of these signs that I have always found so found just to be the stable part of any road journey really um, of the, you know, the, the, there's the, the signs you can depend on, the emerald green signs. To see one of those kind of in, in pieces and shattered, it was very strange and, I mean, the enormity of these things. And the way that the, the, the emerald green was, you know, d- depending on which area my lights were hitting... Um, I, I was getting these riotously colorful um, light reflections and bursts at me. You could see green shards, you know, kind of like flower petals in certain spots. You know, it, was, it was such a strange sight. And I just had never thought about one of those, one of those signs, um, one of those signs falling down. 
do you remember the Twilight Zone movie when the man on the plane is desperately trying to alert uh, the other passengers that there is there is something outside on the wing of the plane that there's a creature outside um they do eventually land in safety but then upon inspection of the aircraft after they've landed this creature this this gremlin on the on the wing of the plane has has done so much damage that it's just this this kind of scratched up crumpled ripped tangled smoking mess it 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 reminded me it reminded me of that in some ways the three of them sat in unfolded camping chairs by the runner beans the raised garden beds held a heavy rich soil that smelled like wet sand and spade pulled patches of its dark roughed up in mounds at the bases of stalks and gathered under leaves. The dark dog circled among them slowly, checking in. Stories went to childhood, as they often do. One of them said, When I was a kid, we moved to the suburb for a few years. It was a newer development, and it was soaking out like oil on paper to the outskirts. Have you heard of the dream house to save the marriage. It didn't work. Surprise. But if you went up a hill behind our street, there was this area called the Ridges. Well, we called it that. Because the streets were all named something to do with Ridges. Ridge Road, Seventh Ridge, Eighth Ridge. Like Dante's circles of hell. Anyway, the thing with the Ridges was that it was this impenetrable tangle of streets. I'm not even sure the layout matched maps that were supposedly correct. I didn't know many other kids at my new school, but the ones I did know would always say that the ridges swallowed people whole, especially kids. There was always some new spin on the story of someone going missing. Uh, And she was out playing by the ridges, and she disappeared, and all they ever found was her head, that kind of thing. One day in the summer, I went there with a friend, We weren't prepared. We had little backpacks with a few juice boxes, some sunscreen. We took our bikes and walked them up the hill. You know, we wanted to save our energy for the adventure ahead. Well, after a while, I can honestly say I don't know what happened. I remember going in. Anyway, we just rode around and around this endless mess of turns and cul-de-sacs. And of course, all the houses looked the same. All I remember is... At one point, we stopped and put our feet on the ground, and we were just kind of confused and looking back and forth up the street and down. And I remember this truck pulled up next to us, and this guy got out. He didn't come fully around. He just stayed on the driver's side. So we could just see his head and shoulders over the truck bed. Are you guys lost? He asked us. I don't think we answered, but we stared at him. No need to be embarrassed. That happens a lot on these streets. He smiled and nodded. God, why don't you hop in? I'll give you a ride out of here. I got room for your bikes and everything. I could still hear the sound as he kind of slapped the side. Then 
I remember we mumbled something like, no thanks, and we got on our bikes again and started running away. But slowly, like we just encountered an animal and were trying to show it that we weren't scared. He paused, and the evening had gotten cold, and the buzzing specks stopped bothering them and left for the irresistible orb of the porch light. The dog raised its head in the dark. Anyway, we got home somehow. Time had gotten weird. But I thought about the stories, the vanishing, the thin air. And I knew then that they were true. And for the first time in my life, there was something about the world that I really understood. this memory of a program I used to watch when I was a kid. It was a show for children uh, where someone would be reading a story and as you were listening to it, uh, you were watching someone else illustrate the story. Uh, and so uh, you know, you'd 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 hear the you'd hear the reading, you'd hear the lines, and then uh, the illustrator would just kind of so select an image that made sense for the text that was being read during those minutes of creation. And I love the way you could just watch this image. Oh, just kind of slowly come to life in front of you um, while listening to stories. What I remember about this particular story is that I felt, I feel like I didn't quite expect the story to take this turn uh, because I remember feeling a little off guard and there was also music going underneath. I remember the music darkening and the story became very scary to me. I remember possibly a flash of the, of the illustration. I want to say it was a boy who was out in the woods or the countryside. I think I remember that what was in the story was that this boy had come across either a, a pile of stones or a particular road that he had that he had seen the day before and it was it had moved what this road had moved it wasn't in the same place as it was before and that suggested that these elements these stones this road that they were not inanimate objects, they were alive and uh, moving. That these were creatures, monsters, that were possibly getting closer and closer to the house. Um, that's really all I remember. 
and I haven't wanted to say anything in these past these past minutes of talking, but I have now come across I've seen the car with one headlight for my friend from earlier. I've seen that car now three times. And it's starting to freak me out. There are roads to Rome, roads to nowhere, roads you put the rubber to, roads to ruin, roads to kill. What else was there to play? 99 bottles of beer, I spy. She was tired and had set out in the late afternoon. She hadn't realized how stiff she was, how long she'd been driving, until somewhere in the middle of Idaho. The sky was bruising fast toward dark. An exit marker appeared after the mountains. The road flattened over a low plain, and the moon would soon be doubled on a shallow lake. There were just two service symbols on the blue sign. One was the figure of a person, flat-bodied and round-headed, reclining in a bed. The other was also a person. Or actually, was it two? One moving at a frame? She briefly puzzled over it. It was narrow, like a fat pin, like the other silhouette, but something wasn't right with the limbs. She didn't understand its shape. She passed the sign and turned left toward the only light she could see, an orange sphere. Nothing was there but an old filling station. Its windows were boarded with planks. The ash-gray wood zigzagged with black spray paint. She stopped the car and got out slowly, leaving it running. She walked a few steps, feeling the blood shift in her legs and back. It was then that she heard something. She looked out into the surrounding weeds, swaying gently in a small wind. Dark had arrived now, with only a thin blue strip of the sky beyond the mountains far away. The sound came again, a crunching scrape from the direction of the building. She got quickly back in the car, locked the doors, and aimed back toward the highway. Something ran in front of the car. It was tall and pale and man-shaped, but it wasn't a man. She missed it, screeched away. As she barreled on, she saw more of them, or thought she did, on both sides of the road. They seemed twisting in the fields, jumping, or playing. She drove, half sick with fear, but beginning to doubt her exhausted eyes, the light was disappearing down the drain of the sky. She tried to give her spinning mind a direction. Roads. What did she know about them? And the road was like a ribbon. The moon was like a bone. She pushed on, anxiously eyeing her fuel gauge, until she saw, in the reasonable distance, the lights of a nominal town. As she hit the turnoff, something in her mind latched on, but she couldn't afford to give it time. She needed to stop, to rest, to find a safe place. 
Not much here but a truck stop and a diner, but there was also a motel. In the dingy office, she rang the bell on the desk and filled out a little form torn from a red-spined memo pad. She hesitated, then said, You know this sign by the road? She had seen it again in the quarter-mile stretch before the turn. Flipping the sheet over, she drew it with the pen chained to a strip of silver tape. What does this mean? He exhaled, looked over at the burnt coffee maker by the window, the glass permanently tanned by its steam. Along the walls in the cramped space, the thin brown carpet wrinkled, buckled up. It's, he said, it just means there's an airstrip nearby and there might be strange sounds. And as that was enough for her right then, that it had to be enough, she turned and went out the sticking door, jangling the bell suspended from the fake brass knob. The ice and soda machines don't work after 11, he said to her back. So get anything you want before then. Just so you know. Sometime in the night, when she couldn't sleep, she carefully peeked out the stiff curtains. In the moonlight, in the gravel by the silent cars, she saw them. They were tall, fast, shaped all wrong, and they were dancing across the lot in strange gulps. Past them, as across a harvest field, the soda machine glowed like a sodium heart. You know, I do remember one other story. Uh, when I first um, got my driver's license, well, this is this was a very exciting time, isn't it? You just are all of a sudden um, sort of drunk with new freedom, and uh, you know, after a life being spent as a passenger. To, to all of a sudden be, be calling the shots. Uh, it's, it's quite an experience, it's thrilling. It's also a little, it's also a little scary and disorienting because, you know, the, the I, I remember feeling that, okay, I've, this, this is the town I grew up in. I should know it inside and out. But once you have kind of extended beyond your neighborhood or those places where you would you'd spend good amounts of time on foot exploring, uh, I found that there were many, many areas of my town that were quite unknown to me and quite mysterious. I started uh, then kind of pushing the boundaries out, you know, into the surrounding countryside. Uh, that I remember having this feeling of, is, can I really do this? Can I, is anyone look, am I going to get in trouble? Is anyone watching me? <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm going to go drive down this frontage road by the river. <laughs> you can't stop me. And I just would spend, you know, without even really destinations. I would just spend a lot, a lot of time driving, driving around. Um, one summer, 
afternoon, I went exploring a little further than I'd been before, and I got, I got lost, and I didn't have much gas, and um, much like tonight, I was getting nervous. Uh, and, you know, I just, I put in one of my cassettes. I like to drive around listening to music. And the song that, I don't even think it was the actual album. I think it was some, some sort of a mixtape. Uh, anyway, the song Pride by U2 came on. And there's a lyric in the song that I just had er, er, misheard early on and then couldn't quite... Um, you know, I just, I just thought of the lyric as, as, as that from, from, from there on out. Um, the, the lyric was shot rang out in the Memphis sky. And I always thought the lyric was shuddering's eye in the Memphis sky. And as this line in the song was coming round before me, was a sign for a road called Shuddering's Eye Road. It was just sort of a, a, a brown sign, like paint on wood sign. Um, possibly, regrettably, I did not take Shuddering's Eye Road. I think I was a little too freaked out. But, um, you know, whenever I would think of this, episode. Oh, I would always think I should look that up and see if that road actually exists. I, 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 you know, when that memory would surface, but I could never find, I really could never find any proof that it existed. I couldn't find any sign of it. Um, I, you know, it didn't seem to appear on any map, which I guess I figured that might make sense if if it was just a homemade sign but I I went back uh, for a family visit six seven years ago and I decided that I was going to I was going to find Shuddering's Eye Road because I remembered it so clearly and I went out to the area uh, where I got lost and I just could never I could never find it I I see my friends the car with the one headlight I see it sitting out on a road that goes into a field up here I'm I'm going to um, this might be a mistake I'm I'm going to stop
Boom. The car is there. The lights are on. Or the light is on and the lights are on the interior. And the car is running. And there's no one in the car. And uh, there's no one that I can see in the field or anywhere near the car. So I guess, guess I'll just keep driving. chance here to get through to you because uh, something strange is going on. Your messages to me uh, from the road have been getting through to my phone, but I guess mine in response have not been because you don't seem to be, be responding. So I'm going to give this just one last chance to see if maybe it gets through. Uh, based on where you said you are, you said you're very near the Idaho-Wyoming border, uh, and you keep seeing this car with one headlight. I want to say that I have seen it too. It's been 20 years since uh, my experience in that area. Uh, I just everything seems to be kind of uh, aligning. You know, the geography, um, the sense that you're going in circles, and then the, the appearance of this this car. Um, all I can tell you is that I, I if it's going to happen anything like it happened to me, I would prepare not to see uh, any houses, any town lights, any signs uh, of life for maybe quite some time. But you will get out of there eventually. I think it's just going to be a while and you're going to have to be uh, ready to become even more confused with the roads, and I don't think you're going to be able to find anyone to help you. And you're not going to see any other cars except for that one. And if you should uh, come across it, maybe parked on the side of the road, uh, seeming stalled or something, uh, I would not approach it. I would just keep going. But maybe that'll never happen, and uh, maybe your experience is completely different from mine, and it's all just coincidence. Uh, anyway, I will. Uh, uh, I hope to hear from you uh, later.